Welcome back to the Niners Wire podcast. It is the round one edition. Um, it is late at night on Thursday after the 49ers made two picks in the first round of the NFL draft. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan uh, put together, I think, a, pr- a pretty impressive haul, bringing in two of the of, of the best defendi- defenders available in this draft. Um, Solomon Thomas at, from Stanford, the defensive lineman at number three, and Reuben Foster, the linebacker from Alabama, all the way down at 31. And uh, I'm joined by uh, Jared Brown and Rob Lauder, as always. And guys, you know, when, when we were diagnosing this draft, I don't know, a month, six weeks ago, the conversation was about, you know, which player would be a better fit, Reuben Foster or Solomon Thomas. Um, here the 49ers are coming out around one with both and they didn't really have to give up a whole a whole lot to get back into the first round uh, to take Foster and maybe they're a little bit fortunate because the stock was sliding for a whole uh, slew of different reasons but um, give me your initial takes on on what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were able to do on on their first round of, of uh, the NFL draft. I think you. I have. I think you have to be impressed. I mean, there's really, yes. Everybody who's kind of read a lot of our opinions and you know listened to our podcast knows that we weren't extremely high on Solomon Thomas. But from the John Lynch's comments during the press conference about how uh, highly rated they had him, I think they, he said he was second on his board. Um, you know, out of just under 200 players. So obviously they they see something in him, and for them to pull the kind of trade they pulled it, it from going from two to three and get him and then be able to last an entire first round and still get the guy that they had rated third on their board. Uh, it's just pretty unreal, you know, and you got to be happy for the organization. This was both of their, both Kyle Shanahan and Chris, um, I almost said Chris Biederman, by the way, so that would have been a huge shout out. Um, <laughs> John Lynch's first draft. So, you know, there's the, really, I couldn't have seen it going any better for the two of them. I would agree, and I'll say that, and I think that this is sort of lost in this space where, as we've kind of led up to the draft, and particularly in our case where it's really you know 49ers-based and discussing what this team is going to do, we had to find a way to differentiate prospects, and especially in that, that range of kind of the 2 to 10 players where it's not really Miles Garrett because we expected him to go one to the Browns, and we're trying to find one of the players that you know, probably aren't necessarily worth the second pick, but might be worth the seventh or eighth. And so you've got to differentiate and pick a guy, right? Solomon Thomas is not a bad player. It's not like he's not worthy of a first round pick. He's a top 15 pick. And in this draft, there was a lot of guys that were top 15 picks and few that were probably worth uh, the second pick. So to say that, and especially in our lead up to the draft, to say that Solomon Thomas wasn't necessarily a fit, or to wonder what that fit might be, isn't to say that Solomon Thomas isn't a good player. He is. He's a good athlete. You know, there, there are traits there that suggest that he could be very good. The issue, in, in my opinion, is that you've just selected another defensive lineman in the top 10. You selected DeForest Buckner in the top 10 of last year. Eric Armstead is now the odd man out. I mean, you, there is no chance that Solomon Thomas doesn't get the benefit of the doubt as far as playing time his rookie year, DeForest Buckner is significantly better than Eric Armstead as it stands right now. So those two more or less kind of have their position or their role, their spot on this roster defined. Where is Eric Armstead's spot? And that's not to say that the team can't find him a spot. And and it sounds like that they've uh, investigated using him as a Leo or as a pass rusher and moving him around on the front. But he is the man that now should be put on alert. 
as look, we're we're exploring options, and and maybe they roll with all three. But it's going to be interesting to see how that fit actually works out and uh, what alignment they use. And certainly teams are going to want multiple defensive linemen for a rotation. But uh, I think really nailing the, the back end around one and getting Ruben Foster solidifies this is something that, I mean, they more or less got Solomon Thomas for free. And so you take a high upside player that shows some impressive traits and then you on the back end around one, you get a starting linebacker. Yeah, so here's, let, let's go through the trade first. I mean, I, it's... The 49ers moved back one spot from two to three uh, atop the first round to take Thomas. They got um, they got the 67th pick in the third round, so the 49ers have the second and third pick in round three. And uh, they got the 111th overall pick uh, in the fourth round and a third round pick in next year's draft uh, for from for the Bears to move up to number two. And it sounded like the 49ers had a, at least one other team trying to move up to that spot, potentially to take Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, if I had to guess, I'm guessing it's Cleveland that was willing to do that. And and the Bears really were desperate for Trubisky, apparently, and, and gave the 49ers, I think, a huge haul. And ultimately, what they ended up doing is trading their pick in the second round, the 34th overall pick, along with that 111th pick in the fourth round, to move up to 31 to get Reuben Foster. And by taking him in the first round, they also get the, the luxury of a fifth-year option um, tacked on to the back end of his contract, uh, which is a huge coup for the 49ers if Foster turns into the player that we all kind of expect him to be. Um, for me, what was interesting about the way the draft went, sort of on a on a mac from a macro perspective, like we all thought all the defensive players would be pushed up to the top, top of this draft, and you look at it, seven of the first ten picks were were offensive guys, and and I don't think any of us saw you know Corey Davis going fifth overall. Um, I think Leonard Fournette at four was a pretty popular pick. Even Mitchell Trubisky at two to Chicago was somewhat of a surprise. Um, but then you look at it, Mike Williams at seven, Christian McCaffrey at eight, uh, John Ross to the Bengals at nine, Patrick Mahomes uh, to 10 for um, the Chiefs traded up to take him. Um, so you look at it and really the one of the reasons Reuben Foster was able to get pushed down so far on top of all of his issues um, that you have to deal with is, is the fact that all of these offensive players went a lot earlier than people expected, or at least I expected. Um, so it, it was interesting when, when early in the, the late in the teens and early in the twenties, um, you, you know, you start seeing on Twitter that the 49ers are looking to move back into the first round and you start to think, Oh, maybe they're, you know, I, I thought when I first saw that, I think uh, it was right before the lions picked at 21. And I was thinking, Oh, maybe they want to get Charles Harris from the pass rusher from Missouri. And he ends up going, Twenty uh, second to the Dolphins, and and so it was still kind of fresh in your mind. Well, maybe the Niners want someone like Tack McKinley, um, Taco Charlton, one of these guys, and then um, and then these guys all kind of come off the board, and and I'm sort of thinking, okay, it's you know, we'll let's I'll start prepping for the the 34th pick tomorrow and see what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, the 49ers are trading of of all teams, the Seahawks, uh, who moved back to 31. Uh, from a trade from the Falcons, and now the Seahawks have a ton of mid-round picks, which is probably a good thing for them in this draft. But uh, trading with the Seahawks allowed the 49ers to get 31, uh, which they used on Reuben Foster. And um, and he said in a conference call with us that you know he's he sounded super passionate. And and I know Matt Mayoko tweeted this, but but I heard this uh, kind of talk listening to the to the phone call from Foster. He sounds 
the way he talks, with the with the passion he talks about the the game of football with, it reminds me of Frank Gore. And he's not like the most loquacious guy, but he just seems like a super passionate dude. And that's what Frank Gore was. Um, and so listening to Foster talk and and hearing John Lynch talk about his football character and things like that, um, I think it's it, you know the 49ers didn't really have a, a player to you know rally around that that really inspired inspired guys. Uh, on this roster the last couple of years, particularly after 2015 when all those players left. And if Foster keeps his act clean and, um, you know, doesn't fail any more drug tests and his shoulder is okay and he turns into the player that a lot of people thought was maybe a top five pick in this draft, um, to get him at 31 could be a huge development for the 49ers. And I think John Lynch deserves a lot of credit. But on the other hand, I think there's a ton of risk here. Um you know, if he like, I I hate to use Randy Gregory, the the pass rusher for the Cowboys, as an example, but he's a guy who started his NFL career in the drug program, like Reuben Foster will be after failing his drug test, um, and he really hasn't done anything for the Cowboys. He was projected to be a top ten pick uh, out in Nebraska, I believe, two years ago, and he's hardly played at all, and he's been suspended, and he's suspended for another year now. Um, not to say that Reuben Foster has. Randy Gregory's issues. We don't know that. Um, but the fact that he enters the league uh, within the substance abuse program, um, the fact that he has a shoulder injury that he's dealing with, uh, the fact that, you know, he got kicked out of the combine for an altercation with a hospital worker. I think um, all these red flags are, are something to be concerned about. But, um, you know, John Lynch is, is vouching for Reuben Foster. And if Foster pans out, then Lynch is going to look brilliant and if foster turns into a guy that can't get on the field because of off the field issues um it's really going to be a black eye so i'm curious to see how it pans out but for now when you think about foster the football player and what he did at alabama i mean he was a top he was a top five guy in this in this draft and the 49ers came away with two of those guys two of those defenders after finishing with the worst defense in franchise history last year so i think for now you got to call this a slam dunk um, there's a little bit of risk, but there's risk with everybody. And, uh, and I think the way this went was, is really been good for the 49ers so far. Well, I think one of the things you gotta, you gotta kind of, uh, applaud Lynch for is just, is taking a little bit of a risk. And I'm not saying that, that, that might've been the smartest move for a brand new GM, but obviously with Foster being third on their board and watching him slip an entire first round, um, and, it, and you know, to kind of coop onto that is, the 49ers basically came away from this, at least the first round of this draft, with an extra third round pick and an extra third round pick next year, and then turned that into two first round picks. So it kind of, the way it worked out mathematically is just incredible. And the fact that they gained draft picks and somehow gained a first round pick. And obviously they lost their second round pick, that turned into a first round pick, but it's just the way it all worked out is pretty incredible. And I think. Um, you know, Lynch and Foster are going to kind of share this bond going forward in the fact that, that obviously, you know, the 49ers have the benefit of being the, the team that took a chance on Foster um, when the entire first round let him pass by. And I can guarantee you that the vast majority of teams, you know, were it not for his off-the-field issues, would probably have him ranked within their top 10 or top 5. So I think it's going to be a good kind of um, something to build on for John Lynch, kind of taking that risk on a player and kind of seeing it and hopefully pan out, like you said. Um, like you were saying earlier, too, is Reuben Foster has that 
kind of that, that football love that he just exudes on a constant basis. And it, it does remind me of Frank Gore, too. And one of the things, as you were talking about him, it reminded me of uh, Michael Irvin from the Cowboys. One time dropped a quote that I was listening to, and he said, you know, I could – everybody always praised me for how well I would run slants over the middle despite the fact that I could have gotten my head taken off. And he said, I never really understood it because, to me, it was, well, I could – I could run the slant or I could go back to the ghetto. And so to me, it was always an easy choice, you know, and I, that always really stuck with me. And, and I've heard so much about Reuben Foster's uh, uh, kind of a terrible upbringing, you know, and a terrible childhood. So, you know, I think he's going to have a, one of those chips on his shoulder that you love for a linebacker to have going forward. And, I, you know, obviously there's the off chance that it doesn't work out, but I think it's kind of We might end up looking back at this and seeing it as like the perfect storm of, storm of uh, circumstances to turn him into to what he'll be. And I think moving off of sort of or moving away from what some of the, these these two guys are going to be on the field, I think you've got to also commend John Lynch's ability to sort of stabilize this front office. And especially in regards to Parag Marate and his ability, John Lynch's ability to sort of isolate what Parag does well and give him this this sort of role as, as Parag was the, the main negotiator in securing the trade with Chicago. And I'm going to assume the, the trade with Seattle, too. Uh, and sort of being the front man on those deals t- to do this, to be able to pull this, whether it's John Lynch's personality or it's Parag being really good or it's the way that this front office kind of shut down the leaks and put out information that they wanted to put out to, to you know uh, gain leverage against the Bears or, or even the Browns or whoever it may have been uh, to, to ultimately land these trades is really impressive given the relative not, not the, I mean, the inexperience of this front office, and especially as a group. So to see sort of this cohesive plan in place, where there's more or less some defined roles, and, and people are working collaboratively, it's early in the process, and it's the first day of a draft, and theoretically these guys will have plenty of more of these to do uh, this year and beyond. But just overall, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, and the way that they've approached this entire process is very impressive. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the the fact, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot and you just mentioned it, like they're not talking. They haven't, they didn't leak any information. None of, none of the, their real interest got out. Um, and I think what that did is it made other teams want to trade with them. Um, and I think the 49ers, for whatever reason, have to do Mitchell Trubisky. They owe Mitchell Trubisky a lot because for whatever reason, team, he was in high demand at that second overall pick. And, you know, a lot of people thought that he was a dubious prospect at best, just given the fact that he only appeared in 13 games as a starter for North Carolina. And now all of a sudden the 49ers are able to get, you know, three picks just to move back one spot. Um, And they did that because they had teams competing to get up there to get him. Um, So, yeah, I I agree with you. I'm impressed with, with what John Lynch was able to accomplish. And I think, Adam Peters deserves a lot of credit. Um, Martin Mayhew has been in a draft room before, so um, and and I think Kyle Shanahan is is really one of the key guys too. And when it comes to evaluating talent, I don't know how much talent he's evaluating on the defensive side, um, but I think you look at this thing and and how it's going to fit. Um, what you have is Reuben Foster. Presumably, he's going to play Will linebacker next to Navarro Bowman which is going to be a perfect spot for him. Um, and Bowman's going to be a perfect mentor 
and Bowman knows what it's like to play next to Patrick Willis. And that's all Foster said was, you know, I want to be the next Patrick Willis. I want to, he, he said, I want to line up where Patrick Willis lines up, which is just yeah. a super funny, which is just a super funny I think they asked him, they're like, say. do you know where you're going to line up on the defense? And he's like, I don't know, wherever Patrick Willis lined up, which is just absolutely <laughs> perfect for Ooh, linebacker. That's, hey man, yeah. that's confidence though. That's good. Yeah. So he's, I'm, and, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Solomon Thomas and the fact that we don't really think, you know, he's an edge rusher and maybe you're overdrafting him if you take him third. But ultimately, and to your point, Jared, about Armstead earlier, like maybe the 49ers front office isn't sold on Armstead and maybe they don't think Armstead is going to be a blue chip player. So they're just drafting the position because they think he's the best player on their board. And John Lynch said, you know, they got two of the three best players, the, the two, two of the three top players on their board in Foster and, uh, and Thomas. And the, the third guy on their board was Miles Garrett. So if that's true, if they really came away with two of their top players, I think that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, in terms of Armstead and, and DeForest Buckner and how they're all going to fit, I mean, the NFL is a passing league. These guys could be on the field, all three of them at the same time. You could put, um, you know, you could you could put Solomon Thomas on on the strong side, sort of uh, that Sam spot in nickel when when that guy is a, a pass rushing defensive end, um, and then you could have Armstead and Buckner next to him um, in base situations. You know, after watching him practice this week, I think Thomas would be a perfect fit at the big end spot, um, the five technique, which has the Sam over his left shoulder. Uh, when he's lined up over right tackles, so he sort of helped along the edge, and he isn't tasked with you know manning the edge. He's he's playing the inside of the of the tackle's shoulder, and I think that's exactly what he did when he was at Stanford. So, um, you know, you want to talk about the fit? I think it, you know maybe it's awkward, but Kyle Shanahan said you know it's going to where Thomas lines up is going to be dependent on down and distance, and you know obviously the formations and the packages and and things like that. Um, I still don't think he's an edge rusher. I still think the 49ers need to find a, an, an edge rusher, and maybe they do. You know, if they trade back into the second round, maybe they can get someone they feel comfortable starting at that spot, or maybe they can. You know, Aaron Lynch, who um, didn't start at Leo when or wasn't with the first team in practice in minicamp this week in, in the session that we watched, for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, maybe they think he's going to be the Leo, and, and they're fine there. So, you know, they, the, the good thing, I guess, with Thomas is he is versatile, but you also wonder if that versatility um, is somewhat overstated. And, and maybe the, the fact he is kind of a tweener means, you know, he's not quite big enough to be on the inside and he's not quite agile or, or flexible enough to be on the outside. So you're, you wonder how that's going to pan out. Um, but, you know, I, I think if, if Thomas just turns out to be a marginal player at best, then, you know, the 49ers can come away from this draft and saying, well, we got Thomas and we got Ruben Foster, who were probably two of the three or four best defenders in this entire draft. Um, and they should feel happy about that. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they line up on these these defensive fronts because I can, you know, the way they've they've built it now and, and DeForest Buckner, and this isn't any slight against him, but he's probably, you know, Earl Mitchell notwithstanding, out of the three of them, DeForest Buckner is probably the slowest one, which is not, and he's not slow at all. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they throw them at the offensive lines and the fact that they, 
the three of them, they're not identical, but they can all kind of fulfill the same roles, and they'll be able to move them around the defense a lot. And coupled with, you know, Navarro Bowman, and uh, like you're assuming, uh, Reuben Foster plays well, and I don't know where they're going to put Malcolm Smith, if he's going to if he's going to ride the pine, or maybe they'll put him over at the Sam linebacker spot. But, uh, you know, it'll it just seems like they're setting themselves up to where they can present a multitude of fronts and move guys around and try and take advantage of, of what they're seeing on the field. And just giving themselves options, you know, like you were saying, it's a passing league now. So if you got, you know, three interior defenders that probably need to improve a little bit against the run, Solomon Thomas actually is, that's one of his uh, stronger suits is against the run. Um, you know, you've, you've got three interior defensive linemen that excel at rushing the passer, and you, you can't complain about that. So, um, you know, especially when you're adding a linebacker in there that is amazing at stopping the run. So it seems like they're just setting themselves up to have options. Um, I think the the biggest thing to look look for going forward, and I think you wrote a piece about this, Chris, is where they put Armstead. Because one of the things I noticed right away on the beginning OTA videos is the uh, the um, or excuse me, off season program videos is just how flexible and quick Armstead looked. And and I noticed that on his Instagram throughout the off season is just seemed like that was what he's working on. So I don't know if that was something the team told him to do, but it, it looked like he was preparing to do something that was going to require him to be a little bit more uh, quicker than it was, you know, brute strength that he's used to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I think especially, you know, with this first round being done, they've checked off two major needs uh, really to just kind of sure up that front seven specifically in run defense so that you just cross those off the list and go, we've taken care of that jumping, jumping right into to getting needs filled. Fortunately, it's, you know, you could say it's the best player available scenario and at a position of need and, and they knock it out of the park on the first, on the first day of the draft and kind of get that out of the way. And now the rest of this draft and specifically the third and fourth round carries so much depth. There are so many options for them. And, and the way that this first round shook out, there's going to be good players that continue to be pushed down. I mean, only three quarterbacks went in the first round, so that's going to move the quarterbacks down. That's going to Zay Jones is still available. Juju Smith-Schuster is still available. Cooper Cup's still available. So there's going to be some quality wide receivers, still quality tight ends. Uh, Cam Robinson, the tackle from Alabama, is still available. So there's a lot of players that are going to move down. Now, these guys are probably going to be picked in the second round, and the 49ers, unless they trade up, won't have a shot at them. But that just subsequently keeps tipping dominoes down. And the 49ers now have two consecutive picks, uh, you know, really early in the third round where they're going to get two more dynamic starters if they stay at those two positions. So they're in a really good spot moving forward to have addressed the, the positions of need to really fix that that front seven, in particularly in run defense. And now the cornerback class is insanely deep. They're going to be able to get a corner with those one of those two th- third round picks if they want. They're going to be able to get a quality wide receiver or a quality offensive weapon, whether that's a running back, a tight end, like uh, like Johnny Smith a little later, or they can get Adam Shaheen, the big 6'7 tight end in the early third. So they've got a lot of options uh, in the early third that can that can add two more impact starters, whether that's on the back end of the defense or, or as an offensive playmaker. They're in a really good spot. Yeah, so with those two third-round picks, I, I'm I'm almost suspecting that the 49ers are going to trade back into the second round, um, whether it's going to be for a corner or an edge rusher, one of the guys you mentioned. Um, so just looking at, at who's still available, I think Carl Lawson from Auburn uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess they don't need Duke Riley. 
Um, the, the linebacker from LSU, now that they got Ruben Foster. Um, Kevin King from Washington still available. He's probably going to be a, a guy who goes early in the second round. Tease Tabor, maybe if the 49ers stick in the third round, they can uh, they can wait on him. Big physical corner from Florida who didn't test particularly well. Um, but maybe based on tape would be his first or second round pick, and he might fall to the third or fourth because he ran slowly. Um, let's see. Derek Rivers from Youngstown State is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, Cam Robinson, like you mentioned. Josh Jones, a big physical safety from uh, NC State. So, Quincy Wilson. Um, Florida. Yeah, Quincy Wilson, Florida. There literally is a ton. I mean, it's it's before we get too far into prospects, I think it'd probably be a good thing to, to say there. So just staring at it now, the 49ers have two-thirds, two-fourths, two-fifths, two-sixths, and a seventh-round pick still after selecting two first-round picks, which is just unreal. Highway robbery, it's, it's crazy. So I think it's probably a good assumption to think that they might try and move up into the second round just, just to at least kind of disperse those picks around. And they have so much ammunition to play with. The fact that you can trade compensatory picks now helps them out a lot. So it's I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there's still a lot of movement from them just going up and targeting really really specific players um, to kind of fill fill the remaining needs and the good thing at this point with that many picks um, is the fact that the roster is it's in such bad shape obviously that can't be considered a good thing but there, any player they take has a really good chance to have a significant impact I mean not we we saw today that how useless mock drafts can be. I mean, I don't think a single mock draft got anywhere close to how this first round played out. But um, when I was doing, you know, the several I've done throughout the offseason, I was find my, finding myself getting starting talent or someone that I thought could start for the 49ers all the way into the fourth and depending on how it fell, the early fifth round. So they've got a lot of work to do, but there's still so many good prospects out there just waiting for them. All right, I think with that, uh, we're going to call it. I am exhausted. Um, we're going to try to get this <laughs> this posted uh, either tonight, Thursday, or early Friday morning um, ahead of day two of the draft. Like Rob said, the 49ers have, uh, let's see, it's the, it's the second and third round tomorrow, so they're slated to have, to, to have two picks. They have the third and fourth selection, or the second and third selection, excuse me, in round three. Um, they may trade into round two, two because, um, you know, they moved off the 34th overall pick to trade up for Reuben Foster. So I think uh, we're all in agreement. The 49ers did pretty well um, to fix their last ranked defense last year with Stanford Solomon Thomas and Alabama's Reuben Foster. Uh, so for Jared Brown and Rob Lauder, thank you guys for joining me. And um, this is Niners Wire podcast. The, from the first round of the NFL draft, and we are out. <laughs>